Welcome to HR Bytes. HR Bytes is a podcast and video series that brings you stories of everyday HR professionals who bring a think globally and act locally digital HR agenda to their work. Everyday people who are driving digital transformations in their organizations, data-driven and future-fit digital HR leaders. This is your host, Jay Polaki, and today's guest needs no introduction. William Tincup is the president and editor-at-large of Recruiting Daily, and I'll let William tell you more about what he does. Welcome to HR Bytes, William. So happy to have you on the show today. Jay, it's a pleasure to be on the show and, and to talk with your audience. Uh, int- quick introduction. I've been studying HR, HR tech uh, for 20 plus years, done it from a, a couple different uh, vantage points. Um, I fell in love with HR, so I kind of came up through marketing. If you kind of care enough uh, to to look at a LinkedIn profile, I kind of came up that way. But I fell in love with HR uh, and fell in love with recruiting, and uh, haven't really looked back. Um, I do a lot of work with practitioners, uh, so people that do the job day in and day out. I also do a lot of work with vendors, uh, technology vendors, all across the uh, all across the vertical of. Uh, you know, uh, sourcing outplacement, if you will. So every kind of technology that you can imagine in recruiting and HR, um, I work with the vendors and I also work with practitioners. So uh, happy to be here and uh, also happy to learn from you. Absolutely. You know, you are kind of the living and breathing example of the think globally and act locally digital HR mindset that we are in need of today more than ever before in human resources. And I know you work with a lot of companies, tech startups and established companies as on their board of advisors, as well as, you know, mm-hmm. consultant. Um, how do you think this pandemic has fast forwarded tech adoption in our HR functions? It's a great question, Jay. I think uh, I think one of the things that you know it made us some of these things would we would have gotten to over years. Um, so, it, but it fast tracked to your point. It fast tracked. We had to learn remote over you know over a week. It's it's like we came in on Monday and it's like okay next Tuesday everyone's going to be working remote, <laughs> and so it sped up everything that we had already kind of started down the process. We had remote uh, remote employees. Um, but, but, but like hiring remotely. So you, you now have your sourcing, uh, team that's remote, your recruiters that are remote, your, uh, hiring managers that are remote and your candidates that are remote. Mm -hmm. So we had to learn, and you know, hirings, you know, I know that we went, I know we're in a recession though. I know there were a lot of layoffs, but there are also a lot of companies hiring. So they had to actually like learn how to hire again but to do it differently. So things like video interviews, um, how, do, how do we now embrace that and then not just embrace it, but like fully put on the pedal? Uh, virtual onboarding. We might have been really great at onboarding uh, in a traditional sense. You come into the office, you do this bid, you know, you got this training, uh, but now we have to do it virtual because we're virtual the, you know, in HR and our employees, our candidates that now are new, freshly minted employees, they're virtual. So now how does that look? How do we do that? Uh, Zoom performance reviews, you know, like, okay, you're still doing a performance review. You've worked here for a year or six months or three months, whatever the bid is for the company. How do you do that? 
Okay, we used to kind of go down and have coffee or go to the conference room and do a bit. Well, okay, you, you can't do that bit like that anymore. So, I mean, there's probably thousands of examples of things that we were accustomed to doing in person that we couldn't, we can't, and still can't uh, to a large degree do in person. We might not ever do them in person uh, again, but so it sped those things up, Jay. Absolutely. You know, kind of at warp speed, I would think, you know, taking the term from Star Trek. 100%. Uh, <laughs> you had to learn overnight. It's like, okay, you're uh, virtually on board, 100 employees next week. Exactly. And, you know, we all muddled through it in the past nine months. And now here we are. We've learned in the past nine, 10 months. And now we are here to apply all that learning to make it better. And, you know, redo. Um, I think Jason Averbrook at his uh, keynote in one of um, his uh, recent um, uh, conferences uh, through LeapGen mentioned that this is the year of re. We reinvent, we renovate, we <laughs> we relearn, uh, we Which recuperate. Is, <laughs> well, first of all, Jason's, Jason's super smart and I love him. It, you know, the, the, the concept though, that might not be a concept for just this year. We might need to kind of be in that rethinking of everything all the time. Like it might not ever be static again. That might be one of the big learns from the, the pandemic and remote work in general is that we got kind of fixed into a, a, a one way of doing things. And I think this, I, yes, we are relearning and retooling and, and reorganizing our processes and things like that. But Maybe maybe that's the new normal is that we're continually in a reorganization of of uh, reprioritizing of things all the time. Maybe that's what we should be doing is rethinking things nonstop. Absolutely. I think that's part of the agile thinking and the design thinking mm -hmm. model yeah, that we need to adopt in HR. And so Absolutely. that constant iteration of that in you know innovative right. cycle and our mindset. It's and thinking. It's frustrating. It's frustrating, Jay, because we're uh, we're not accustomed to that. That's not mm -hmm. the way that we have been brought up. It's not the way we were taught in school, etc. But I think you're right. I think agile as a framework and design thinking as a framework to think about it's never done. So like we used to think traditionally, you you do your onboarding process, and then that's done. And then you can move on to another process or whatever. But but I think I think one of the things that we've learned about that is that it's never done, which Absolutely. is a little unsettling, you know, like you, you like the idea like, OK, we that's done. You know, we cross off the list. And I think that this the agile and design thinking forces to think it's never off the list. It moves down further down on the list, but you're going to come back to it faster. Absolutely. And, you know, we've in HR, we've always um, had the saying, I've heard it a number of times, oh, why fix something when it's not broken? <laughs> so, but well, you've got to move away from that, right? It's all broken 100%, right now. <laughs> 100 percent. We got a lot. We got a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of a lot of opportunity in front of us. And it's also uh, it's a good time to be in HR. I mean, it's a great time to be in HR and recruiting, uh -huh. quite frankly. Absolutely. Um, you know, you've established 
companies, you've helped establish companies, and you've worked with organizations um, across the globe. And you, your network is so humongous. What role do you think your social capital uh, plays, especially your connections within an organization um, when you're incubating and scaling innovation in the HR department, so to speak? I think I think the thing is is the you know it's quantity and quality. Um, so you can have a large network, but if they're not engaged, it's a big so what. Or you can have a small network, but it's highly engaged, but it's small. Um, so I think one of the things is you bring those two things, those two forces together, uh, for a purpose of both having quantity and quality. But you got to have engagement. And what it's done for me is it helps me learn faster. Mm-hmm. So, so take like just, you know, what we went through at the very early stages of, of COVID um, because I, of a large network in Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, I could learn from other people really quickly, you know, communication strategies and, uh, you know, on, again, like we talked about onboarding strategies, like little bitty things but because hundreds of thousands of people were then having those discussions, I could learn, I could tease out of it what I needed to learn and also what I could give advice to practitioners and also uh, vendors about. So I think, I think the thing about having a network is you've got you've to be able to, if you feed the network, right? So you've got to put good things out there yourself and be a part of that. You can't just be a taker. You, you also have to give back to your network. And uh, when you have a large network and it's an engaged network, I think it just, it speeds up everything. That speeds up your knowledge, the, the flow of, of learning just happens at a higher clip. Um, so I, I, I think that's for me, that's, I definitely know that just in the first months of COVID, with everything that was up in the air, everyone was trying to figure things out fast. And there, so there was a lot of collaborate, a lot of online collaborate, a lot of Google streets, a lot of, a lot of things that were being shared. And again, if you're not a part of those networks, or if you don't even know if those networks are available, uh, then, then you're not learning as fast as you probably possibly could. Absolutely. And especially with everything available now virtually and, and Zoom and so many other platforms 100%. available for that kind of communication, I think it's really helped my learning as well. And I can say that for my my young nephews, they are learning at warp speed themselves. 100%. So when I see 100%. them learning and, you know, they're like these data sponges, they've become encyclopedias overnight. Not that they weren't before, but now even more so. And just seeing Absolutely. that, you know, the next generation is not going to be anything like what, you know, this generation is absolutely, it's no. totally. No, they, I, a great example of that is uh, an HR conference I was a part of uh, last year. Mm-hmm. It was a VR virtual reality conference. And so they sent me an Oculus uh, headset mm-hmm. and I was on, I was on a conference call. So my boys came in and asked me, Hey, can we open this up? It was just, I get packages from vendors all the time. Yeah. So I said, yeah, yeah, whatever. Pack it. So they unpacked it. They watched videos on YouTube about it. They had already drawn off a square in our living room <laughs> and they were playing games on the Oculus headset. By the time I got off the conference call. 
Absolutely. Like, and, and think about like think how fast that adoption happened. <laughs> exactly. Think about that. You know, my dog has learned how to come and ask for a treat every time I'm I'm on Skype. And this happened yep. a long time before COVID. You know, he knows oh, yeah. when I'm oh, on yeah. Skype and he will come ask for a treat because he knows I'm on Skype that's and genius. he <laughs> it's a genius. That's, that's genius. That's a smart dog right there. That oh, is a yeah. really yeah, smart Morphe, dog. Morphe is a smart dog. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, you've been writing a lot about HR and recruiting related mm -hmm. issues and HR technology related issues uh, for, I think, longer than you care to disclose, like you mentioned. Truth. <laughs> Truth. Um, what's one piece of advice you have for HR professionals who are looking to adopt or learn new technology? Sure. So so the, the bit of advice that I would say is you, you go slow to go fast. So uh, this was taught to me when I was training for a triathlon in, in swimming in particular, because I'm not a great swimmer. And the instructor was basically saying, listen, you're not trying to go fast. Don't try to, don't, don't try to get in the water and go fast. Get your form down, get your you know, fundamentals down and go slow. And as you, as you get your fundamentals down, then you'll go fast. So the thing is, is, you know, when you, when you look at all the technology, there's more technology out there than, than you can, you can possibly evaluate. The thing is, is once you know you have a problem with something and let's say it's uh, performance reviews and you know, you want to make a switch or, you know, you want to do something different. Don't rush to jump into a new technology, evaluate your process. So again, let's take it's performance reviews and goal setting and feedback Revaluate how you're doing it currently and how you'd like to do it. Build that process or refine, you know, redo. You know, let's, do the, let's use the re again. Uh, redo that process and make sure you got your process right. Fix it and then go look at technology vendors that then can help you enable that process. And so you don't rush out to buy technology. You, it's, it's very purposeful. When you, buy, when, you, when you buy technology, it should be very purposeful on something you're trying to fix. And so you go slow to go fast. You will ultimately go fast, but you, you start off by going slow and being very methodical about what's broken, what are we trying to fix and why. Great advice and I love the analogy. So, you know, as we prepare for more remote work and more work mm -hmm. from home and more of everything virtual, how do you think our HR function can prepare for this? For the future, yeah, I think there's a couple things. It's uh, first of all, you you know, I think what we've learned is we need to meet candidates and employees where they are, um, and and be super flexible uh, as HR and recruiters. So we need to we need to learn uh, uh, the and I think we have done a great job of this, by the way. So I think in learning flexibility, I think we have done that. We just need to incorporate that in our go forward uh, philosophy. Um, I think it's secondly, I think focusing on the outcomes of work rather than how the work gets done is, is now should be important to us. Yeah. So thinking about what is the outcome of that work, that job, instead of how they get it done or that, you know, that, that loosens up our thinking around whether or not it's a hybrid model, whether or not they're in the office, whether or not they're across the globe or, or remote or whatever, or, or any of those blends of that. It's focused on the outputs or the outcomes. And I think the last thing I'd say, and it's probably something we haven't talked about enough yet about, is to make sure that new biases don't creep in 
to this new hybrid uh, model of work uh, where you have some employees that are at the office, some employees that are virtual or remote, you know, do the, do the folks that are at the office, do they get promoted, you know, more frequently or do, you know what I'm saying? Like, so what, what can we do to prevent? And, and again, we don't have this problem yet. It's a future problem, but we should probably start thinking about it now is to think about the biases that might creep in with a hybrid work model. Great point. Great point. Definitely something to ponder. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to uh, the question connection section of our uh, podcast. The fun just- part. Yeah, the fun part. I'm ready. Yeah, all right. So who's one person you've gained in your network in the past year that you think everyone in the HR tech world should know about? So much cheating at three. But I promise they're, they're, these are folks that I, I'm encouraged when I see them posting because they're positive and they're giving back. It's uh, Jeffrey Shapiro, Laura Mazzullo, and Rocky Howard. Rocky Howard's probably a, lesser, a little bit lesser known in our community. She's the chief diversity officer at Smart Recruiters. All three of them, in different ways, are, are just putting out really positive content. They're trying to make people better. They're holding people accountable. Uh, they're giving back. They're they're funny and sarcastic and doing all that stuff. So it's all three of those people um, are just people that if they're not in your network or not in your, you know, in your sphere, uh, they all three of them should be. I know two of them, so I'm going to look up the third one and I'm going to link their accounts in the show notes for Absolutely. everyone as well. Absolutely. <laughs> What's your favorite HR podcast? Well, I'm going to cheat again, too. So uh, the two I'm listening to uh, that are automatics, of course, with the 300 podcasts, it's it's uh, it's hard because, you you know, it's I, I typically listen to podcasts like everyone else. I'll have it just on shuffle. Uh, but the ones that I make sure to listen to are Lori Rudiman's uh, Betting on You podcast and Lars Schmidt's Refining HR podcast, um, mostly because... Um, of they put on guests that I don't know, and and I like that. Um, and 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 they and they do probative kind of Terry Gross types of interviews that go deep into and with people that I don't know. So I, I like both of those. Uh, but I, there's also a, you know another again 298 podcasts that I also love. Um, <laughs> but but those are the two that I would suggest are that I always make sure to hit first when they come when they get published wonderful i'll link their podcasts down in the show notes as well and what's awesome. your favorite linkedin learning or e-learning webinar as uh, you know we have we have a lot of them in hr but as they relate to hr tech uh what's what's your favorite so uh, this this will sound self-serving but i promise it's not um it's it's our recruiting daily has an hrtx event that we've been doing virtually all of during COVID will continue this year. That's just training. That's hardcore training on technology. And I, I, you know, I know that there's a lot of great ones out there, but a lot of them are vendor sponsored, you know, they're vendor, you know, basically vendors teaching about the stuff, which is good. Um, the ones that we've created uh, last year and this year are practitioners you know, teaching about tech, how they use technology, which I think is always, you know, better to hear a practitioner say, here's how I used, 
you know, we'll use a hire tool or seek out or, or hiring solve. Here's how I used it to source technical talent or diverse talent or this, that, and the other. So I, I like, and again, I've, uh, you know, I'm, I, it sounds like I'm being prom, um, promoting our stuff and it's, I just couldn't find as, as, a, as you listed the question, I, I really sought out things and I couldn't find anything better than what we're doing. So given the upheaval of all things HR and all things work in 2020, what's one yep. workplace trend you think is here to stay? Well, I think it's 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 a combination of two things and they're they're linked. It's radical flexibility on one hand and hyper personalization on the other. So one of the things that we've learned is that as HR professionals is we have to be flexible. If we were inflexible in in January or February of last year, we learned flexibility at gunpoint. Um, and so, but I think that that concept of flexibility isn't going away. And so I think because candidates and employees have got a taste of flexibility and we've gotten a taste of giving flexibility and being flexible, I think flexibility is something that goes forward with us. I also think that's in tandem with uh, personalization, making sure that we meet people where they are uh, at all times. You know, if we're doing, you know, feedback, you know, like you and I are at the same organization, you might need feedback different than I need it. Mm-hmm. And so we need to learn that to when be, when we give you feedback, when the organization gives you feedback, they do it in the way that you will respond to it. And when they give me feedback, they give it to me in the way that I want. That's that's personalization. So how do we personalize things, and how do we how do how do we maintain this this kind of radical flexibility in the future? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest um, takeaways from twenty twenty flexibility in every sphere of our lives absolutely 100% 100% personal professional family kids everything. everything we've learned we've learned to be flexible and also be at peace with flexibility mm-hmm. which is you know i mean flexibility in and of itself can also cause a lot of confusion and anxiety but i think we've actually done a pretty good job of consuming that and saying okay we're just going to be flexible. All righty. Well, <laughs> ne- this is this is now the job. All right. Absolutely. I always have this analogy of stretching a rubber band and holding, you know, and stretching it and seeing how flexible it can be to a point yes. before it breaks, yes. right? Yes. And I think we are at that point. We need 100%. <laughs> we need to let Bamboo. go. <laughs> Bamboo. Yeah, exactly. Bamboo, rubber bands. You know, at one point it breaks. But I think I think we've learned, which is great. Too, and and to your point, Jay, is we've learned that we had a lot more rubber band to go. Absolutely. That we, that, you know what I mean? And so one thing I want to make sure that when when HR practitioner when practitioners listen to this is like, hey, you should you should kind of pat yourself on the back. You probably didn't know that you had this flexibility, this massive amount of flexibility in you, and you probably weren't giving you probably weren't giving yourself enough credit, and so. You know, I mean, we should we should probably recognize that, yes, we did it at gunpoint um, because we had to. But also we've gotten I think we've gotten good at being flexible um, and, and not having that anxiety and not having the stress along that, that can come along with being flexible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that 
everyone's in the same situation. So that's actually helped because it's not as stressful as 100%. before if you were trying to be flexible, you know, in the past. That's right. If you were out on an island by yourself, <laughs> it would be massively stressful. But the fact that all your peers are going through the exact same thing, you know, that I think that helps. I think that has helped us, you know, to get to be able to relate to each other also. That, hey, you know, your team is having to learn how to do hiring remotely. My team's having to learn that as well. What can we learn from each other? Absolutely. You know, so I think it's it's helped us relate, I think, and be re relatable uh, to others as well. And, and when you talk about the island, I, I can think of Tom Hanks when he, you know, his movie. Castaway. A castaway. Yeah. And when he, you know, uh, contracted COVID in Australia, they sent him... <laughs> Wilson. Wilson Ball. Everyone yeah, signed yeah. it. You know that that's that so kind genius. of that kind of camaraderie uh, across the yeah. globe uh, has really, I think, helped a lot of folks deal with this. Oh yeah. Right now, I think you're right. I mean, that's uh, we see the best. We you know we can see the worst uh, of of the of when when hardship comes, we can see kind of the worst of humanity. But I think some of what we've seen during COVID, especially from an HR recruiting perspective, is we've seen some of the best of, of what we can be and what we can do. And Absolutely. so, uh, you know, you don't want the bad things to happen. Uh, but at the same time, I think we've responded quite well. Absolutely. So how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? Um, I, I would say probably three things. One is I love talking to practitioners about HR tech. Um, because, you know, they've got a job and they're doing a bit and they're not looking at all the people that are getting funded or being acquired or new tech coming to market. And so I love talking to people about HR tech and just giving them pointers and advice on what to and not to do. Um, secondly, I love speaking at events and webinars um, and, and pushing myself to think new thoughts and, and, uh, and to also put those new thoughts in front of people and get, you know, get feedback find out, you know, is, is it a good thought, bad thought, et cetera. Um, and thirdly, I, I'd say, suggest that I, I love, you know, basically just making myself available uh, for practitioners, you know, to just talk. I think sometimes um, what I found with, with HR is they just need a sounding board by and large. They might even know what to do and, you know, where they're going to go with something, but they, they want to bounce that idea off somebody. And yeah. so having a nice peer group, and in someone that they feel safe with, that uh, they can then just go, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, changing jobs. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, um, you know, letting this team go. You know, there are like hard decisions. You know, I think we all need kind of a, a mentor, an advisory group, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call that. But I think just being a, a, a proper uh, sounding board for practitioners, I I enjoy that. And I like making myself available for folks uh, if they if they need that. Again, you can't force somebody to talk to you, but <laughs> nor should you. Um, but but uh, but just making myself available, I think, is important. Thank you for being that for the community. You know, you've been my mentor, too, in the beginning of the pandemic when I first spoke to you. So thank you for yep. being available and making yourself available. You know, that's the most no part.
And, and, you know, everyone needs that spark. I call it spark. I, I call them, I call all of you my sparks in my community, in my network. <laughs> you know, I look to you for the sparks because I reach out to you when I need help. And I also reach out to you when I'm joyful and I want to share uh, stuff, 100%. you know, so it's the sparks that matter. And, and I'm so thankful that all of you are in my community and in my network. And I'm sure a lot of folks are thankful for the work you're doing. Uh, for well, thank you. Community. It's, I think it's I think it's those things, Jay. It's it's the highs and lows. You know, it's easy to be someone's friend uh, and comrade when they're going through good times, but you know, when when they're going through a bit of depression or they got laid off or they're you know having some type of of conundrum, you know, that's more that's difficult. And I think that's that's what kind of proves what kind of person you are is that you're there for them throughout all those times, the good times and bad. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you so much for being sure. here for our audience and for this me. Was fantastic. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. If our listeners or audience wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, it's going to be really easy. Uh, just Google William Tinko uh, <laughs> and you will... <laughs> You know, the the plus and minus of having the last name Tin Cup, right? There's not many of us. Uh, and because, uh, you know, I'm relatively social, I'm literally everywhere. Um, so if, if you just Google my name, you'll find my cell number. You'll find my, you know, email address and all that other stuff. And it, obviously, you can go to LinkedIn. You can go to any social network. I'm actually comfortable with all of them. Um, and so wherever you want to go, just reach out to me. Absolutely. And I will link your profile in the show notes sure. for anyone who would like to connect with you as well. You're kind of like the David Letterman of HR and HR tech. So I'm sure they'll find you everywhere. <laughs> it's, uh, it's again, it's the positive and negatives. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm Mike Smith, it would be really hard. I'd have to actually give you like an email address or whatever. But, yes. you know, with with the last name Tin Cup, it's uh, relatively easy to find me. Absolutely. So thank you for tuning in, everyone. And I look forward to bringing you more global stories from HR tech and HR professionals across the globe. Thank you.